Open your Bibles to Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. I will be giving a nod to 17 through a big chunk of chapter 5, but I'll just be referring to that. Uh, we're continuing in a series called Is There More? And we want to say, yeah, I mean, there, there is. And we've looked at it in several different lights. You know, we've talked about is there more life on Easter Yes, there's more life because of Jesus. He's brought us into his life and light and goodness. Is there more of God's grace? That's what we talked about in that next week, which was the, the idea that God will be there with his grace. No matter what's going on in our lives, there's always going to be grace for the future day. Grace for the day right in the moment. Then last week we talked about uh, just becoming one family with the walls down of peace and love. Is there more of that unity? Yes, there is. And today we're asking the question yet one more time in a pointed way. Is there more maturity growing up into maturity? And the short answer we know is yes, but it's a little more complicated than that, right? It's just growing up into maturity. We don't always, you know, we a lot of times I think when we're growing up into maturity, we sense it as questions and longings, but we don't know what questions to ask. We don't know what's going on in our hearts and we'd like, oh, there's there's more out there, but it's just kind of a, uh, you know, and if we had the wisdom from our youngest years to ask those questions, wouldn't that just be awesome and know the right things to ask? So to help us imagine, if you'll place the first slide up there, this is uh, 1964. Yours truly. The Beatles had just come over now. Beatles. And can you imagine? So imagine me or yourselves as a little baby going, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm getting tired of just kind of sitting around here. I think I want to crawl a little bit. I think I want to I want to walk and I want to run. And hey, mom and dad, that, that carrot stuff you've been feeding me ready to move on to something else. How about a burger? I want a steak. It's going to make me feel stronger. You know, and then as I get a little older, I might start asking other questions. If I knew to ask them again, it's like we don't know to ask the questions. There's just longing in there. And so hit it again there. That's like about 1970 or so, 69. Hendrix was still alive. But I might say something like, hey, mom and dad, I, you guys are great, but I want some more relationships. I want to. Yeah, I want to branch out. I want to meet some friends. I want to I want to get a girlfriend. That's what I want to do. I want to get a girlfriend. And you know what? I want to get married one day and settle down and have some peace in my life and know where my food's coming from and know where that I've got shelter over my head. And I've got a car to drive. Wait, wait a minute. Actually, I want to be single. I want to see the world. I want to ride motocross for a living. I want a kayak level five rapids in the Himalayas. I want to base jump off the Empire State Building. I'm sorry. I want to live an exciting life of adventure. We have that longing, don't we? And then we grow up a little more and we say, I want a relationship with God. That's what I want. I want my life to count. I want my life to matter for eternity. I want to know Jesus, the lover of my soul. I want to live and walk with God. You, you see what I'm saying here? It's like, if we knew to say all that, it would be wonderful. But we don't. 
We're just, we, we ask things, we ask questions, we do weird stuff sometimes. And it'd be nice if we could just, you can take that off. It would be nice if we could just, I've got this longing, I've got, and we could just flop out a map. Just lay out a map and here's my life and this is where I'm at right now. And I'm banging up against this tree, but there's a forest and I can walk around this thing and get on down the road. It'd be nice to be able to do that, right? Now we're talking about real life. In the same way that a baby doesn't know and a young child doesn't know, we don't know because we're in the process of of growing up and of growing up in maturity. And uh, there is that sense in us. It's embarrassing. I'm out of breath from, I think, stepping down there. Uh, from base, I did base jump off the Empire State Building, didn't I? <laughs> Speaking of that, I've got shirts. That this one's this one's good, but I've got shirts that if I just get a straight, this is crazy. Kim's like, "What are you doing?" So, I've got shirts because my arms are so long. I have to get like extra large or extra extra large, and I think I could do a base jump. <laughs> it's like a flying squirrel thing, you know. Not using that in the second service. I just <laughs> note to self. But we have this gnawing sense that there's something else out there. There's more. And all of that is about growing up, growing up to maturity. We learn from the Bible. We learn from others. And the goal of maturity is what? It's being like Jesus Christ. That's the one that we're growing up into his image. Okay, that's what this passage is going to tell us. We want to be like him. We want to grow up into his image. We want to become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So let's look at this passage together from verse 11 on. It was he. Let's stand up. We've been doing that. Let's stand up for the reading of the word. I'll finish and say this is the word of God. And you say, thanks be to God. It was he, Jesus Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. One thing I want to point out right off the bat is that when it says that we're supposed to grow up, that there's these different gifts that are given to the body for the purpose of equipping the church to do works of service. And in that process, we all grow up into maturity and check this out and that we will grow up into maturity, having unity, not just in the faith and in the knowledge of Jesus. Actually, that that sounds like it would be hard to actually have unity in all of that. Right. You think about. There's 40,000 denominations in the world. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Jesus. Man, everybody's seeing things really, really different. Right. 
So this Greek word in can also be translated of. And I think it will help us all a bunch to think about unity being unity of the faith and unity of the knowledge of the son of God. Why does that help us? Because now it's Jesus. It's Jesus faith that I want to have in my life. It's Jesus knowledge that I want to employ. He is the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We want his faith, his knowledge and that's the basis, ultimately, for the unity that, the, that one day we're going to you know, walk in worldwide, new heavens, new earth. So here's the main thing I'm trying to say today. God wants us to set our eyes on Jesus and the lifetime journey of growing up into maturity. Isn't it good to know that you're not mature yet? You're on a journey, you're, on, you're, you're some measure along the way. But there's more to come. And that's good news, because a lot of times we get taking ourselves too seriously. You know, I've arrived and get kind of some of that thinking. It hurts us because we haven't. And so it's just better to be, hey, we're on a journey. We're growing up. Seeing that helps us to understand, I think, the tension places in life and ministry, work and family and how to move forward in those. So let's talk about a few tension places this morning. I want to do that. The first one is the tension between adventure and stability. Anybody feel any tension there? Tension between adventure. So that's some of what I was trying to illustrate is, you know, I want to ride motocross and teach skydiving for a living. And uh, or I, I want to actually have a house and have a peaceful place to raise my kids where they know where their dad is and. And hoping he's going to live through the next jump, you know, or whatever. Somebody may want to be a professional skydiving. That's okay. I was trying to think of something that just. Ah. Anybody ever done that skydive? Hey, this is kind of the radical adventure section of. So, I mean, look at this. Here's the illustration he gives about being mature. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every teaching, you know, these different things. Instead, speaking the truth and love, we will grow up into all things, into him who is the head, even Christ. So the picture right off the bat he gives is that there's tension. And the tension is that we were made to long for adventure and we were made to long for stability and not just live a chaotic life that's out of control all the time. and You don't ever know what's going to happen next. Even the most radical, adventure-loving folks can't live in, there's no organization, there's chaos, there's no stability whatsoever. And God has made us, though, like ships is kind of the illustration. A ship, you know, finds great peace in the harbor. But a ship wasn't made to stay in the harbor all the time, right? And even when the ship goes out on the sea, it's not supposed to be just blown wherever. There's a stability, even when it's doing what it's supposed to be doing, where it can be led and guided and, and, and ruddered and all that kind of, you know, pilot ship kind of language, you know. So how many of you guys resonate with adventure? How many of you guys resonate with stability? If you're just really being honest, you just kind of, you know, it's about half and half. And it should be because and it should be even in us. You know, that we're not just one or the other exclusively 
it's going to make things hard. We, you know, the ship idea, I think that's great. Anybody see, uh, I'm always hesitant about movies. I think I'm okay on this one. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, when that first came out, I did a, a thing. I mean, I was like spiritual warfare and all this, you know, and then somebody went and he's like, Timmy Miller, these orcs are freaking me out. And they came and told me. So I think it's kind of calmed down just a little bit. But where's I going? Oh, yeah. So Tolkien knew something about humans. And he knew that we are kind of like hobbits. You know, we we there's a certain stability part of us, you know, the green, the shire, the, you know, the little house and, you know, sitting out and you got your big hairy feet and the little pipe thing. And, um, but there's that inside longing for adventure, for doing for getting out on the road and, you know, trying something that has never been done before and it, that sense of adventure. And sometimes we are the lead character in an adventure, kind of Frodo, kind of Bilbo. And sometimes we are Samwise, you know, kind of just I'm just going because they're my friend, you know. And sometimes it's, you know, we, we live out different little narratives like that that are adventurous. But the image is the high seas and there's adventure along the way. You know, when I got to talking about this idea with uh, Yancey, he said, well, he said, well, Lynette and I have actually we've used language to talk about this. He said, in our family, not just with us, but with our kids, we say some people are rivers and some people are rocks and rivers like change. They want things. They don't want it the same way it was yesterday. It may have been some rapids yesterday, a little slower today, but there's just change. Other people are like rocks and they're just they're down there and they make the river interesting and they give the river boundaries. You know, can you guess who is who? <laughs> Lynette would be the rock and Yancey would be the let's make it different. <laughs> let's mix it up. I love it. So sometimes, you know, we choose adventure and I think sometimes adventure kind of choose, chooses us, you know, uh, you know, if. If and it's it's God's way, it's like the little baby trying to ask all the questions you don't know, you know, and if if God would have told Paul what the next, you know, what his last 20 years would be like, he might not have taken some of those risks that put him into situations that really stretched him, you know, and faith is spelled. There's a certain sense of risk in it for us. It's uncomfortable for us. Adventure is like that sometimes, you know, so we're moving toward Whatever God is leading us to do, and that's going to be kind of where I want to land on this thing, is that God, he's into our maturity because he's into our joy. He wants us to grow up. And the key then is to follow Jesus. It's to do what Jesus says. So the goal isn't adventure, nor is the goal stability. The goal is Jesus. And Jesus leads us into both of these realms with a surprising custom made kind of fit for our life and what we need. You know, there are times even the most radical adventurous among us would say that, yeah, there's a time to hear Jesus say, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. It's time to rest. It's time to come to the green grass and the quiet waters. 
and to have your your soul restored. You know what I'm saying? And then for others of us that might, you know, cling to security, there's time to trust him as we step out and try something new. Those kinds of things as well. There's a huge part of the problem for us, you guys, and I'm going to just hit this, I think, pretty clearly here. One of our big problems in following Jesus is distraction. Yes, is distraction. I don't have my phone here. I'd leave it in my car on on Sundays mornings, but it's out there. And I just read a study this past uh, on Friday, a study that said that the average American looks at his smartphone, his or her smartphone, 250 to 260 times every single day. I was thinking about it yesterday and it was embarrassing. Just. I mean, from the weather to the golf tournament with Rory, how's he doing? Well, how's Jordan Spieth doing? That's not on y'all's, but you have other stuff. You know, the, the NBA playoffs, the Mayweather Pacquiao, the pen, pen, is that a website or something? Pinterest? It, that's embarrassing. It is, isn't it, right? Well, and the thing went on and it said, and the average American looks at a screen three and a half hours a day. That's not counting TV, of which the average American looks at TV four hours, over four hours a day. So three and a half hours on the screen, over four hours. This is not leaving much time for living. So what's happening is we're, we're living vicariously through other people. Facebook, Instagram, I know I've been I've been giving them the business lately, you know, but it's we need to think it. Think about it. So you're watching other people do their vacations. You're watching other people. It's the happy. You know, Kim was telling me about this. This happy picture of somebody in, in one of the offices she works in and uh, the daughter, uh, the, the, the woman, her daughter and the granddad, her dad, the woman's dad in the kids just happy they're at the zoo and she goes now you need to know the story behind the story is she'd been acting up all day long she hadn't seen her granddad in a while didn't know how to act around him and it was just bonkers bedlam turbo crying you know the ah, they, they can't even it's just like whoa what's going on let's, do it. let's just let's quit this and they left and, and but they somehow they got a happy picture <laughs> facebook that's that's what's that's that's what's going on there. And it's going on all over the place. I mean, if life man was if life really was just one big vacation with great looking meals. <laughs> cute homes and new remodels. Wouldn't life be great? It might be weird. Because, you know, because life really isn't like that. It's not like that at all. One of the things that's come out of social media, there's a new fear. There's a new fear, and it's, uh, it's a, like a clinicalized thing. Now, they've identified a new fear. It's called FOMO. FOMO, the fear of missing out. So just think about that. How does FOMO work out in our lives? You know, is there anxiety because we think we're missing out and we're constantly living vicariously through other people? Here's the deal. I can't be happy 
doing that and living that way because I was made to be conformed to the image of Jesus and to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I have to listen to what Jesus is saying for my own life and for my own family. There's got to be some space in there, like where we fight for some space so that we can hear what the Lord is saying to us. And then he can lead us into adventure or he can lead us into stability and we can trust him that it is the custom made thing that he has for us that's going to be best. Everybody tracking? You know, we did something radical a bunch of years ago. We started a church, Christ Fellowship. And I didn't know anybody that had ever done that. And I had never heard of anybody that had ever done this. You know, and so it was kind of rad. And But here's something else. I didn't know that it was something I needed to be intimidated about either. The Lord was leading me to do it, leading us to do it. Thirteen adults, 14 kids. And we took off on this on this journey. Now, here's the other radical thing that we've done along the way. It wasn't just planting the church. It was continuing. To just stay with it. For all these years. Just to just to stay with it, you know, and that's actually kind of radical. You know, you want to adventure something radical. Stay with something that God led you to do over the course of the long haul. One of the things Jimmy Seibert does, the leader of our movement, Antioch, we'll get together for the U.S. overseers uh, team and uh, the, the different contexts, board meetings and things. And uh, and there'll be a bunch of older guys in the room of which I kind of qualify now, especially in the movement, you know, and and he'll just look around and go, guys, I'm just so thankful that everybody's here, that nobody's done any weird stuff or gotten into sin just thankful that this group is here you know we're just in this we're we're still on the journey you know there's a plotting part of faithfulness that's not glamorous you know it's nobody sees what's going on behind the scenes people don't know a lot of times you know i don't know some of the hard things you do you don't know some of the hard things that happen with me amy carmichael was this uh, missionary, late 1800s, early 1900s, and she went to India to try to help temple prostitute little girls, basically, get set free from this, this horrible, you know, kind of system that they had of, of temple prostitution. And she lived her life, devoted that, basically helped to end that whole practice, you know, in, uh, in India. But she stayed there for whatever... 60 years being a missionary, and she came home one time. One time, just, you know, it's a lot further away and all that, you know, harder to travel back then. But I mean, still, you could, couldn't you like work in a decade furlough kind of or something? Let's just, let's try to do this every 10 years or so, you know, but just staying with it. And even watching our own missionaries, you know, guys in that we've sent out or in the movement, you know, just, just hanging with it. Brent and Julie Pennington. You know, just just and there's a lot that they're doing great work. And then there's a lot that's just real mundane. This adventure of flying out over the seas and then staying. And, and just staying with it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's, a, it's like adventure meets stability in following Jesus over the long haul. And the result is fruit 
in ways that are beyond what we can even imagine. You know, things that we never thought would happen. You know, what, what, here's one out of the notes, but just uh, I, I've just been amazed just at that this decision to start all those years ago and then watching people get married that met in the context of the church and then have babies. That, that's a mystery to me. What, how would that all worked out if we hadn't done, done, isn't that just wild, a thought? You know, babies existing that, I mean, maybe they would have met in some, maybe Aaron and Emily would have met in some other, you know, they walked past each other on the street and went, I, I don't know, you know. But he's a worship leader and she likes him. It's great. She loves him. Here's one. I did think of this. Somebody was telling me the other day. Y'all remember uh, Jim Collins, the guy who wrote Good to Great, kind of a business guy. And one of the things he said is that he sees his greatest fruitfulness and productivity and greatest impact when leaders get to be 55 years old. Just throwing that out there for free and giving everybody vision. So that's the first one there is this tension uh, just in growing up. There's tension between adventure and stability. Another one is in the tension between being and doing the tension between being and doing. So that really starts in verse 17. He says, hey, I tell you, don't live like Gentiles. They've lost their sensitivity. Be sensitive Be sensitive to the things of God. Your old life is gone. You have a new life. Be new in the attitude of your mind. It's just all these being things that God wants us to be about. Be truthful. Be honest. You know, be someone who gives an honest day's work for what you're paid to do. You know, so uh, be honest. Be truthful. Um, Be kind. Be forgiving. Be a son or a daughter of your father. Be like Jesus. All these things. Be pure. Uh, Be light. You're not darkness. You were. But now you're light in the Lord. Be light. So live out of this place of your identity. Be awake. You know, you you were dead, but now you're rise. Rise up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Be wise, he goes on and says. Be full of the spirit. Be thankful. All of these different admonitions are part of it's like remember who you are and live life out of who you really are and not just a sense of I just got to, you know, I got to suck it up and be kind. Well, you know, your kindness is from the life of the Lord. You can't be more kind or more forgiving enough. You what you need is the life of Jesus. Only one person can live the Christian life, right? That's why we need unity of the faith, of the knowledge, of the kindness, of the forgiveness, of the wisdom, of the fullness, of the thankfulness. All of that is the life of Jesus getting worked out in us and through us. We have his life. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from that. This is great baptism stuff. That's why when Yancey was first like laying that on me, I was like, man, that's great. I always thought of Ephesians as being like. You know, kind of next level, 401, 501. But to lay this on people at their baptism and say, this is the way you should live. This will get us on the right track. You know, wake up. Let's do this. Be faithful. 
Be thankful. Be filled. All of those great admonitions. So let's talk about then some habits that shape us. I'm trying to finish each message with uh, habits that, that shape us. Okay, so I've been saying following Jesus, doing what he says, is the most important thing that we can do to navigate these different tensions, places of growing up into maturity. So what would I say is the most important thing that you could do to start your day? Daily time with God. Daily time with Jesus. Daily time with God. Spending time with him. I, you know, I, I leak. I get distracted. I get off track. I lose sensitivity, all of those kinds of things that we all do. And so who doesn't need a morning calibration? Don't raise your hand. Um, who, who, who doesn't need that? We all need that daily time calibrating, reading the scriptures, saying them out loud. Um, you know, this morning it was Second Corinthians four about renewal. I just was Second Corinthians four. And uh, I need that. We all need that kind of thing where the Lord's speaking to us. You know, keep your eyes on things above, not on things here. You've got a new life. Your life is in a jar of clay. But Jesus' life is going to be seen in you. Just that, that stuff that we've got to walk with through our day. The second one there is discernment with others. So habit one is every morning time with God. This habit is discernment with others. And so I've got to be close enough to people to actually have some input in my life where I know Pam and she knows me and she feels freedom, feels invited to share. Hey, I I was praying for you and I I got this. I think this might be for you or for your family, for the church, you know, and we need we all need those kinds of relationships where we're discerning things or where we can hear, you know, we're going one way, you know, and everybody's like, uh, uh, and, and maybe we don't if we don't want it. That's great. But wisdom and fullness comes together. If it's not a value, may it be a value for your own soul. For your own goodness and for your own joy, for your own maturity. You know, the, the hearing that comes, the discernment that comes with others and even being challenged to do things with regard to the mission or Treasure hunts or life group outreaches, serving people, all those different kinds. Those things shape us. The discernment that comes with others. Developing generosity. That would be another habit that um, I just want to encourage you. I mean, learn to be givers. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bless you in ways that you don't know. Why? Because where you're, where you're giving is where your heart goes. Your heart, you can say, my heart's here. I'm giving over here. But your heart will go over here, even though you say your heart's over here, it's going to go. And uh, so, I mean, it's just been a huge part of our value system is is being uh, sacrificial givers. I want to be a sacrificial giver. I want to give tithe and above. I want to give offerings. I want to be free to help people when they're in need. And I know about it and and write a check and be blessed. And, you know, by living and again, that kind of builds in the I'm living below my means so that I can do that. Um, Stanley Tam, famous business guy, started U.S. Plastics. He started his business with the idea that God was going to be his partner and the controlling partner. And he wrote up a nonprofit and signed off 51 percent of this 
multi, multi hundreds of million dollar company, U.S. plastics like he's in on the the ground floor. You know, everybody's seen a wonderful life in the 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 new car guy says, get into plastics. Stanley Tam did. He got into plastics and it went crazy, you know, and took off. And then he was coming back from a South American mission trip one time. And God said, give him, give, just give the rest of the business, like 100 percent. Went from 51 to 100 percent. He was in uh, South Korea in the right after the war and helped to preach the gospel in different evangelistic campaigns that really helped set the tone for the gospel pouring into uh, South Korea in the way that it did. And you know what happened in South Korea? I mean, massive revival, massive percentage of people following in an aggressive, real kind of way, Jesus Christ. Discipleship training. Just a couple more habits here. Discipleship training is where it's the habit. And I'm just going to focus on the school right now. Tim and Lisa, we just had the graduation thing the other night. It was awesome. Just celebrating the students and what had happened and all the potential there. But it's just for core on this particular aspect of discipleship training. It's setting aside a Monday night once a week for that's all you could do. If it's Monday, just getting technical there, but setting aside Monday night once a week for uh, for just some training and being with others and growing in the things of God, you know, and so that's that's a great habit, uh, the discipleship training piece. And the last one I want to touch on here before I wrap this up is just uh, Sunday mornings. Why is the habit of Sunday mornings so important to us growing up to maturity? You know, as as we surf the Internet and there's a million options, there is a tendency maybe for us to just say, hey, Sunday is one of many uh, options that I have on my plate. And it's just like any other thing. And I can pick and choose. And and maybe, you know, one time a month or a couple times a month is going to just hit the hit the hit my need. And I want to just say that we need regular connection for ourselves. We leak, we get off track. We need this rhythm of being together and worshiping. And you know who else needs it? Your children need this rhythm of being together, of being with brothers and sisters, people who love the Lord, who have found some measure of joy in God and are living life with some kind of victory. And yes, there's people that are beat up and broken, but there's a way forward when we're doing it together. So Sundays, just just a big deal. This habit Every week, being with God's people. You know, I think we all wrestle with how we define ourselves. Our highs, our lows. And I just want to say, if you're in Christ, then He is supposed to be our main identity point. This is who I am. I'm in Christ. And His life is my life. And I will live in following Jesus a radically different life. And I'll tell you, you know, there are some major uh, decisions that I've made that were radical, but they're not like it's not like every day. You know, every day is like there's a whole lot of just being faithful to some radical things that I chose to do along the way and walking that out over the long haul. You know, and I wish, you know, you know, it was just, you know, just, I don't. I actually I don't. You know, that it was some kind of just, you know, we're just intensity, you know, and we couldn't handle it. But Jesus knows what we can. He will lead you, you know, 
into just just what's needed for your life. Our culture is sending us all these different messages. Be fearful. You need security. You're too secure. You need to be radical. You need to jump, do bungee jumping, you know, uh, whatever, whatever the thing might be. And Jesus is going to lead us into some of those kinds of things. Faith is spelled risk, or at least faith is spelled uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, something, something like that. And, uh, walk, you know, getting out on the open sea, like the passage is talking about, growing up into maturity can be challenging. Even when you think you have it figured out, Aslan is still not a tame lion. You know, following Jesus like that is, you know, and it's waking up, you guys, to who we're supposed to be rising from the dead. I can't do that on my own, but he can do it in me. And then I'm commanded to give my heart to him in a way that it's beyond playing it safe. It's beyond staying in the harbor. There will be mistakes, starts and stops and discipleships like that. I mean, goodness, if I'm not growing, I don't need guidance. You know, I don't need somebody speaking into me if I'm not committed to to growing and doing something beyond what I've done the last going around the mountain. You know, and the truth is, if I'm not growing, I'll I'll be comfortable going around the mountain again. And you will have to do the same kind of things you've been struggling with. You know, that just that it's just whoop. You needed to get some input along the way. And so it's just, you know, just one more trip around the mountain over and over. I've got it covered. And God's, you know, OK, we need God. We need others. We need training. We need help. And, you know, even on the adventure thing, I want to say we need stability. We need boundaries. It's not, you know, my kids, you know, it, them growing up. It wasn't just, yeah, whatever. You know, Emily, just, uh, you know, she, she could just be like uh, intense with us. She's strong willed and all that kind of thing. And but there were boundaries like. She did that once, you know, or, you know, and then she'd do it again. I mean, she's there's there was a something was going to happen. Some kind of uh, response. And that helped her not want to do that. And so and and. And I've shared this with so many people, but you know what happened? Strong willed as she was, what happened when she was sick? She got saved. She met Jesus in a life giving way and her life radically changed after that. I know that just sounds like, wow, really? A little. Yeah. You know, Eddie Leo over in uh, at Abba Love and Jakarta, he said they had all these kids off the, coming off the streets. And so their main goal, they had such incredible behavior problems. Their main main goal was to get them, get all these little kids saved. They wanted them baptized by nine because they were just it's just craziness, you know, in the church. And so stability, boundaries helps us navigate growing up, discovering who we are, you know, and it helps us navigate the fear of missing out. Uh, and navigate stability that we need and dying to self. There is one way forward, guys. It is following Jesus. It's the only way forward, following Jesus. And so God will lead the bored into adventure. And God will lead the destabilized into places of safety. Quiet waters, green pastures. He'll do that. He's great to do that. There's life beyond control and there's life beyond chaos. Is there more? Yes.
Okay, but what we do is we respond to God over and over and over again. And we say, yes, is there more? Yes, God, I want you, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know your will. I want to press in with you. So stand up. And I will just say. A couple of questions as the guys are coming up, ministry team, worship team. So there's an opportunity here. This is one of those like. Everybody could respond messages. So we take a little time like this at the end of the service just to respond to God. And uh, man, let's just press in. Father, in the name of Jesus, what would happen? Lord, help us to see what would happen if we just kept responding to you and following you, Jesus, into the next thing that you're leading us into.